Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast. I'm your host, Tyler. Freshly back from a few days of rest and relaxation. The batteries are recharged. I'm ready to go. And I'm joined today by my longtime coach, Curtis, to recap week three of Georgia spring football practice. And we have a lot more to talk about today than we did last week, as week three of spring practice also included Georgia's first scrimmage of the spring. And that's really when you get all the good stuff because people actually get to watch those scrimmages and are ready and willing, always ready, always willing to be pumped for information. Now, obviously, you do have to take everything you hear and everything you're told with a grain of salt coming out of these kind of things, because it's at best secondhand information. And I don't know about you guys, maybe some of you are are, are the lucky ones, but I'm not one of the chosen ones who has access to scrimmages. So I have to rely on what I'm told and what I read that's reported. But you take what you can get and you try to find the common strands of information that come out of these things, piece them together. And in doing so, there were a number of different developments coming out of week three and especially last Saturday's first scrimmage that we're going to cover here on the show today. But I think the place we have to start, Curtis, is the same place we started last week's recap of week one of Georgia's spring practice. And that, of course, is the quarterback position that was the storyline coming out of week one. Carson Beck brought Vinegrath. They're getting reps to the ones. And not just reps, but quote-unquote significant reps, as I was told by a high school coach that was in attendance last week during the coach's clinic. And given that a sizable portion of the fan base still just does not believe in Stetson Bennett, despite all the evidence to the contrary staring them straight in the face, people hear that Beck and Vinegriff are getting reps of the ones and Stetson's working with the threes for a couple of days and they get all excited about what it might mean. But fast forward a week and it meant absolutely nothing. We had the debate on here last week. Is there a real quarterback battle brewing in Athens? I think that was actually the title of the episode last week. And Kurt, you and I, in, in discussing that on the show, like you and I were in agreement that it did seem like Kirby was at least giving the young guys a chance to actually compete for the job. And and maybe it was more open. The competition was more open than 
one would think based on the info that we had at that time. You know, it really was just one week. That's all we had to work with. But at the end of the day, we did also both say there was still an 85 plus percent chance that Stetson Bennett would be our starter week one against Oregon. So Curtis, now after another week of practice and now a scrimmage under our belts in which Stetson took the vast majority of the reps with the number one offense, that's what I was told this week. Last week it was Beck and Vandegrift got quote unquote significant reps. This week it's quote unquote the vast majority of the reps for Stetson with the number one offense. So Kurt, where is your head right now in regards to this quarterback competition? Well, you and I kind of sat there and last week and said, like, we don't know. It's, it's maybe a competition more than we think, but realistically, like, Stetson is the guy, and if, if anyone's going to make a move, it actually wouldn't be till the fall. So, for I, you know, I kind of want to start there. Like, I never actually really thought, like, it was interesting. It piqued my interest that, like, hey, some of these other guys are getting snaps, but I never really thought there was, per se, a quarterback competition as much. I think there's a competition between – who is going to be the number two guy? Because I don't think Beck is going to stay around if he's not number two behind Brock Vandegrift, or if he's behind, number two behind Vandegrift. Uh, but I'm not going to say Vandegrift's going to leave if he's not number two. But the fact is, like as it pertains to who is number one, I don't think there's any question right now that the unquestioned leader Stetson, especially going into the year. But did you feel that way necessarily last? Because you're, you're right. Both of us said that we fully expect this Stetson to be the starter, but we also said like, hey, like, Maybe there's more of a competition than we realized there would be coming to spring practice. Did you feel the same way last week? I, you know, I really thought that there was, it was, I, I was just going to be utterly probably shocked if Stetson wasn't the guy. And the reason I say that is because I think Kirby Smart and the staff this year, especially, are trying to learn how they can get their younger guys ready. Um, and I think it was more of a concerned, concerted effort of trying to get the younger guys ready more experience because it's hard for them to get the experience they need to potentially be the guy or even overtake the guy or just do what it takes to be the starting quarterback if they're only getting second and third team reps. Yeah, and that's clearly what last week was all about, right? And that that was the topic of conversation. That's what you're hearing people talk about coming out of practice, people that were there, all the coaches that were there for the coaches, Clint, the people that I talked to, what you were reading on social media, people I talked to around the program, like those guys were getting more reps but the question became, is it really truly like a wide open quarterback battle or is it more about developing those guys? Because the fact is we don't like – if some, something, God forbid, happened to Stetson, we don't have a JT Daniels to fall back on right now. We're going to – Yeah, like the last two years – like the last two years when Juwan Mathis didn't work out, we had Stetson. When JT went down, we had Stetson. Well, with Stetson being the guy, we don't have our Stetson to come off the bench and, and bail us out without the yep. first team reps. Absolutely, Kurt. That's a great point, man, because this is what we were saying last year's. Stetson is the ultimate security blanket. Like his entire career, at least the past couple of years, has been the ultimate security blanket. And there's so much value in that. Now Stetson's been able to raise his game to take it to the next level. I'm very excited to see what he can do with a full year as the guy under his belt, what he can take his game to next year. But he was the ultimate security blanket. That's what he was. And you're right. We don't necessarily have that guy right now. We have talented guys, but we don't have anyone that's shown they can step off off the bench and come in and win a game for you the way Stetson Bennett did, ignited an anemic offense. What was an anemic offense in the first game back in 2020 against Arkansas is able to lead us to victory in a game that we absolutely should have won. It should have never been that close, but it was because of the quarterback situation in the first half. 
So do we have that guy? And I think our coaches are looking at that. I think Kirby's looking at that situation heading into spring. Is like, man, I don't know if we do. And I don't feel comfortable with that, especially considering all the injuries, all the situations that we've had at quarterback over the past couple of years. So it's pretty clear. Last week was more about our intentions and our focus on getting the other guys developed just in case. Because it's football, man. It happens. It's a contact sport. I mean, you never even want to think about your starting quarterback go down. But we've lived it, man. We've lived it the past couple of years. And you've got to have an answer there if something terrible happens. And, again, you hope it doesn't happen. But, look, it, it it's happened. And we've got to be ready for that, that possibility. So I think it's clearly now, looking back in retrospect, it was more about that than it was saying, hey, these guys, like it's neck and neck with Stetson. Like, who's going to be the starter? It clearly was not that last week. I thought maybe it was more open than I had anticipated it would be coming into spring practice. But clearly, it's it's more about development of those guys, and uh, and I, I'm okay. Are you good with that, Curtis? Should, should Stetson right now be the guy that's getting the lion's share of the reps of the ones during a, a spring practice scrimmage? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, yes, I've been a Stetson doubter, and I still kind of am. I mean, I whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Did you just admit that? Well, yeah, I don't think there's any question that's lost on me, but the fact is okay, okay. right now that he is the unquestioned leader. Um, none of the other guys have done enough to even show us or give us a sample to think that they can overtake Stetson. So right now I think there's no question if we have to, if Stetson is the guy we're going forward with, will we need to get him every rep, especially since we don't have the defense to protect him as we've had in the past. Like he needs to be ready to throw the ball across the field. Sorry, dude, I just blacked out. Like, I, I just, I can't even get over the fact that you, you admitted you are a Stetson hater. It's okay. Doesn't it feel good to admit it? I mean, hey, you got to be honest, right? Well, I don't want to say you're a hater. You, you've been a, a doubter. Is that a, a more fair way to put it? Yeah, that's where I am. I mean, I don't hate the guy. I just doubt that, especially with what we're going into next year without that st- generational defense, I do doubt that he is the guy that can win us 12 games in the regular season as much and do everything when we don't can have the wasted possessions that so we've had. When, in the past. when I said the outset on the intro into this, Curtis, the intro to the show, when I said that a sizable portion of our fan base still doesn't believe in Stetson Bennett, would you consider yourself part of that segment of the fan base? I think I am when, when we take, I mean, I'm not putting apart taking, you know, taking for granted everything he's done, but the fact is we no longer have that safety blanket we've had before. And so, like, yes, he has gone out and proven it, won and won helped us win a national championship and everything. But the fact is, like, next year, especially the first couple games to start the season, it's going to be on his shoulders. Like, the offense is going to have to win us games to start the year. I mean, definitely, definitely. Uh, the offense is going to have to be a big part of – I mean, I think the offense was last year. I think that's one of the things that people – I don't, I don't want to say get blinded by how good of our defense was, but I don't think our offense gets enough credit for being as no, our, our, efficient our offense as our offense was. Effective and efficient, but the fact is, at the same time, there were a lot of empty possessions and a lot of things where, like, we would go whole quarters without scoring or even whole – like, there were three three straight drives of three and outs, but yet we had that defense that could bail us out and know, like, okay, we're not going to be in trouble. Worst case, we may be down a touchdown. Maybe the offense didn't have to operate with as much pressure on. Them. I think that's fair, and I think there's that does something to the psyche of the offensive players. You know, okay, you know what? Like, obviously, we want to go out there and be productive, but like, all the pressure's not on us. I think that's fair to say. But I just, I, I'm, I'm glad that that we we kind of just got this out here on the show that you are still, at least on some level, a Stetson doubter. Are you as much of a Stetson well, doubter I mean, as you were it, like mid season last year? No, but I think the fact, like, I mean, I've 
I don't doubt him as much, but I think the fact is like, I doubt what we can see as a whole team when it's all on his shoulders. Like, as Kirby has said, like we've got to get rid of those empty possessions or the boneheaded mistakes he's made in the past. Because when you don't have the defense that can bail you out, those boneheaded mistakes can be the difference in winning or losing. Okay, here, let me ask you this, man. And this, and you and I have had many conversations about this off the air. So I, I kind of know where your head is on this. And trust me, guys, Curtis is not like, like I said, I, he's not a Stetson hater. It's just, I think Stetson Doubter is fair. Because you, you have, I know you have a lot, we've talked about this off the air. I know you have a lot of respect for him. You love the underdog story, all that, but you're right. You come on a podcast, you're trying to be objective and, and what's best for Georgia. So I, I get that. I think it's fair to call you a doubter, maybe not so much a hater. But let me ask you this question. Let's get it on the record here. So since we're getting things on the record right now, what would it take for Stetson to make you stop doubting him? Like, what is it that he's going to happen? This dude, as you you admitted, he helped us win national title. First one in 40 years. Aaron Murray didn't do that. Matthew Stafford didn't do that. David Green didn't do that. DJ Shockley didn't do that. So what is Stetson going to have to do to get you off the Stetson Bennett doubter train? I think the biggest thing is he's going to have to be the guy. Like the thing is last year, how many games to be the guy? He was the guy last year. Well, that's what what I'm saying though. Last year we won nine or 10 games with him as quarterback, throwing the ball less than 20 times. That's not going to be the case this year. Like he's going to have to shoulder a lot heavier load and throw the ball more than 20 like there's going to he's going to have to shoulder a heavier load and still be as efficient and not as many turnovers and do all those things that he that we praised him for last year but on a lar- much larger scale in my opinion so you just don't think that we're going to be able to win the same formula from last year and the new formula doesn't require him to be a bigger part of our reason for success yes Fair? i think the formula is going to change and he's going to have to help that change and still be on that same standard that we all praise him for, but on with a higher percentage, like where Bryce young realistically was, I, I'm not expecting him to be Bryce young. I'm not saying that, but the fact is like how important Bryce young was to that offense. Stetson is not, he's going to be in a role similar to where the offense and the function of the team falls onto him. I think that's, that's true. I think that's going to be largely true this year, but I mean, another question, follow up question why in your mind can't Stetson be that guy? Why why don't you give him the benefit of the doubt saying, you know what, with a year under his belt as a starter, a full offseason as the guy, and actually taking reps of the ones, you know, for an offseason, because he didn't do that at all really the past two years. Why can't he grow and be that guy this year? Well, and that's why uh, that's why I'm in a wait-and-see period, because he there's okay. nothing stopping him from being that guy. But the fact is, to be that guy, because we always said, like, yeah, he's having fewer turnovers. Well, we weren't putting the ball in his hand. Think back to the Arkansas game. We won it with him throwing, like, less than 15 times. And after he threw that ball that was almost picked, we practically took the ball out of his hands and kind of ran the clock out and just grinded it out because we had the lead. Well, the fact is, he's going to have to convert it. Because we've always also one of the big knocks on stats, and you saw in the SEC championship game, is when he has to throw it 30 times, the question is he, there's a higher chance of him to make that terrible throw, as we saw in the pick six, and what should have been a pick six on the very first drive, is you you have to cut down on that when there's more asked of you, because yes, there's more, more is asked of you, which opens up more opportunities for you to make those mistakes, which you've shown that you can be liable to make. Everything you're saying, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, you look back the last season at his game log, and there was like nine of the – how many starts did he have? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. So nine of the 11 games that he played in in the regular season last year, we threw the ball – under. well, I take that back. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. 
20 or fewer times, right? Because that was the formula. We didn't, ha- didn't have to throw the ball a lot to win those games. Then go to Alabama in the SEC championship game. Obviously, he had to throw the ball 48 times, and that was a disaster. was not a good look. But then Curtis, he does back, bounce back against a really good Michigan defense in the Orange Bowl, threw the ball 30 times, over 300 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. So is that not at least some evidence against an elite opponent that he can perform at that level? It is evidence, yes, but we also cannot ignore the fact that our defense had them completely shut down. So the fact is, if you throw a if you throw a pick or do a mistake, the fact is you still had a nice cushion. It really comes down to: Are we throwing because we want to, or being forced to throw because we have to? You know what I mean? Exactly, and and that's what we have to look at the situation. Is it situational football, and uh, are we throwing ahead, or are we throwing to try to get even? Or because we're behind. Because as we've seen, every time it feels like we're behind with Stetson and we're throwing, that's when the mistakes come. That's a great point. You can go back to to 2020, you know, against Alabama. You know, obviously, famously, we were ahead at halftime of that game. We're leading that game. I don't want to say I complete control of the game, but we're, we're in control of that game. And then we get behind, things start to snowball, and he has to start forcing the ball. And obviously, that's when things kind of fell apart. You can say the same thing with Florida. Uh, we started out hot in 2020, came out, you know, obviously with the Zeus run, then fell behind. Uh, what do you end up? I think five of 16 in that game, like 78 yards. I mean, it wasn't once we got behind and we had to start pressing, not a great look. Same thing last year in the SEC championship game. So I, I do think that's part of it. I mean, but I think, can you say that about any quarterback though, Curtis? Like when you're able to operate, when you're in control of the game and you're playing from ahead, wouldn't you say that's true of essentially every quarterback? Yeah, but the fact is every other, but, I feel like he is more. Carmine, you don't think he has the talent to do to kind of pull his team out of like some guys do? Exactly, and that's the thing. It's not that he can't, but it's the talent wise. Look at Bryce Young um, when they were struggling against Auburn, and all was lost. He leads them, you know, does what he has to do to make lead them to that victory. And I just don't know if he has that ability to take to be the guy to take over. Is all I'm saying. Like, and he can prove me wrong, and I would love for him to prove me wrong because that means Georgia's winning. Um, he has, but that's, that's why he's made a habit of proving people wrong though, Curtis, he has done that. Exactly. And that's what I said. I'll be glad for to eat some crow. Um, I will have no problem to do it, but do I think he has the talent to be the guy to take the game over? I, I'm still hesitant to say yes in that situation. I mean, does Stetson Bennett have NFL talent? I, I mean, I, I certainly don't think so. I think it, it's certainly a stretch for anyone to suggest that more than a stretch for anyone to suggest that. But I do think this guy still has his best football ahead of him. I do believe that. And, again, I, and he is getting better. I mean, he was better this past year than he was the year before. So you hope, 100%. like, and that's the thing, like, I'm going off all the past, which doesn't mean that he's prevented from getting better because he has shown he can get better. But he has to continue to take those steps and take and be more in, improve in those areas where he has struggled. I mean, yeah, of course. Of course he has. And there are areas, as you said, I mean, what did Kirby call them? Snafus, I think, in his press conference. Like, you got to get rid of those snafus. Those, which are, what he's talking about is the bad decisions that you that you pointed out, and and Stetson had those. We talked about it every every game. You know, we talked about this last year. Is like he's good for about one or two of those a game, and sometimes the, the the defense capitalizes on them. Sometimes they don't. You know, and against Alabama, obviously in this SEC championship game, they capitalize on them. So you know, and Kirby's not. I mean, he watches more tape than any of us do. I mean, I watch the games as many times as I can, but still not as much as our coaching staff does. So he is fully aware of that. So there are three things that he has to improve. There's no doubt there. But I I, I am. Very excited about the possibility of Stetson playing even higher of a level this year. I fully expect that from him. With an well, actual, especially, I mean, it's, it's, his, 
Well, it's his third year as a starter. He's like you said, he's actually getting reps with once in his third year cons- with a consistent OC, which we haven't had in God knows how long. Um, so you're hoping it just continues to get better and better. And I, I think, you know, talking about OC is one of the best offense coordinators in the country. I'm ready to say. Yeah, that. who knows how to play to his people's strength? Because yeah. our offense changed completely to when JT was the quarterback and when Setson was quarterback, and we were able to change the philosophy without truly missing a beat. Uh, successfulness wise, efficient wise. Yeah, I'm. I'm just. I, I mean, I don't know if Stetson would be as successful as he was last year with a different, with a different offense coordinator who didn't mold the offense to fit Stetson's strengths and the strengths of our offense. Like you, you have to give Todd Monk a lot of credit there as well. But I, I still think we got to give Stetson credit. This guy, I, I'm sorry, man. I just think he's a lot better than what some of the haters give him credit for. You know what I mean? Well, that's what I'm saying. And I, and I wanted to be clear. Like I'm not a hater just because I doubt him and I'm not sold on him doesn't mean I, I don't believe he can do it. I just have to see it before I'll believe it. Because you have some people that he could do everything I'm asking him to do, everything I'm pointing out that I want to be seen, and still be like, no, he's garbage. And I'm not sitting here saying that. Fair, fair, all fair, man. So we got it officially on record now. Curtis is not a hater, just a doubter. Uh, uh, maybe a, a slight doubt? How, like, what is your level of doubt? Is it more, is it the same as it was last year, or is it uh, definitely less doubt than it was Let's say midpoint last year. Um, I actually say maybe the same, and the only reason I say that is just really the national championship didn't. Well, like I said, well, like you you pointed out, and I think you put it very well is the formula is going to change, and I have to see how he fit how he responds and fits into this exact formula. Okay. I, I, I understand. I understand where you come from there. So I know we got we can talk all day about quarterback. We always do when it comes to the quarterback position on this podcast. But we do have a lot of other things to talk about. So last thing here on Stetson, unless you got something, Curtis. Yes, at this point, like you said, Kurt, I'll be truly stunned if our starter at quarterback is anyone but number 13 next season. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. But we also have to talk about the weapons that he has around him in one name, Curtis that kept popping up over and over again after the scrimmage on Saturday was wide receiver Dominic Blaylock, who reportedly had multiple touchdowns on the day and is starting, it seems like at least, without having seen him myself. I'm very excited to see him on G-Day, but it sounds like he's starting to return to form, which is incredible news on so many levels for 
our team, sure, but just for the guy himself, man. This is a great young man who suffered two ACL injuries back-to-back, hasn't really played in, I mean, two years, really, and he's getting back on the right track and getting back to being closer to his old self. So, Curtis, like, I hate to put too much on one scrimmage, but it's all we've got to go on right now. But what are your expectations for Dom Blaylock going into 2022? Well, realistically, if the guy can stay healthy, I think he can do it. I mean, we saw him do it as a, as a freshman. The fact is he was successful and it was a main contributor, and our offense suffered when he went down injured um, yeah. as a freshman. So I think that, yes, he can be a contributor. If he can stay healthy, I have no question he brings value. Yeah, I mean, there's absolute value there, especially when – I mean, we're not – I don't know. I don't want to say that we're hurting for receivers right now, but we don't have a ton of depth. So to have a guy well, like and we have no leadership like outside of Karis Jackson, we don't have upperclassmen at that position. Yeah, I mean, like the most experienced guy is who Lad, maybe. I guess. I mean, I he, even one year in terms of like him and AD, I guess about about the same level of experience. You say Rosemi Jackson, but I mean, he didn't play that much as a true freshman. That was a didn't there was no spring practice then. So yeah, I mean, we just we're short on experienced leaders in, in that room. And I, and I do think that's an important part of a team success. And it was a big part of our team success last year. So from that standpoint, that alone makes him valuable to our team. But what this guy can do on the fielders, you're right. You, we saw him make plays for us, explosive plays at times. If the Auburn game comes to mind, big long touchdown pass from, from, from Jake Fromm. You know, we saw him make those kind of plays for us as a true freshman. So getting him back into the fold and hopefully a, Better than ever version of Dom. Like, we don't know. It's hard to tell without having seen with your own two eyes. But everything I've heard in reports coming out of spring practice is that he's really starting to kind of round back into form, kind of shake the rust off and get not again. I don't want to, I don't want to sit here and say his old self. I don't know. I don't, I need to see it before I believe that. But I do have expectations for Donovan Blaylock to be absolutely at the very least in the rotation at receiver next year. And perhaps even one of our top options if if he if he comes back as healthy as he's ever been. Now again, with two ACL injuries coming off that, you don't know. But if he can come back fully healthy and the injuries really are not a problem for him, then why can't he be one of those top contributors for us at wide receiver? But Kurt, here's the question I have for you about Blaylock, really more than anything. Because I think he can he's gonna play, I think he's gonna contribute, I think he's made big plays for us at times throughout 2022. I think the bigger question right now, Curtis, is what receiver position does he play? You got Kiaris coming back, who we've also heard is running back into form after an injury riddled 2021 season. You know, he's he's primarily a slot guy. That that's what he does by by trade. You know, Lad McConkey, who I think is one of the biggest playmakers on on, on the offense in general, especially a wide receiver, he's really a slot guy. Hard, but all those guys have played out wide when pressed into duty. It's not that they haven't done it, but. And even Arian Smith, those guys are all primarily slot receivers. So there's a log jam there, Curtis, at that spot. I guess that's what I'm saying here. So where does Dom fit into that conversation? I'm actually with you because it is, you know, I was talking about it. I think he can be a contributor, but it is hard to zero in on a place that he actually is going to contribute because where, um, you know, yeah. Kiaris, AD, you're even hearing Jackson Meeks is now making a step forward. And then you have um, Lad. So, I mean, that it, that is a great question. And I actually don't have an answer for you because I think that is going to be a very hot topic, hot topic going forward is where, like, while he can contribute, where is he going to contribute? Yeah, and, and that's like, it's so great to hear 
all these reports and all the word come out of camp that he's like, hey, man, Dom's back, dude. Dom's the old Dom again. It's like, that's freaking awesome, man. I'm so excited for the guy to hear that. I'm excited for our team. Then you start thinking about it, you're like, well, I mean, who's he going to play over? You know, is he playing over Kieris? Is he playing over Lab McConkey, who, who showed what he can do last year? I don't know. I mean, I, I want the cream to rise to the top, right? Obviously, I want the best guy to play, but who is that going to be? That guy going to be? So, Kurt, like, of those guys we mentioned, Kieris, Dom, Lab McConkey, can even throw Arian Smith in there if he can stay healthy. Which of those guys yeah. do you think, if we had to, could be more of a fit outside at the Z, the Z receiver position? Wait, so who are the options? Kiaris? So, I mean, all those slot guys, whether it's Kiaris, whether it's Ladd, Dom, even Arian Smith, which of those, that group of four, so they, I think are clearly better fits at as a slot wide receiver, which of those guys could operate more effectively and efficiently out wide at the Z receiver spot opposite AD Mitchell X? I guess I'm going to go Kiaris just because he's had to kind of do it um, when you think about when George went down back in 2020. That yeah. if I had to guess someone, I would probably go him. He's got a little bit more size, you know. I mean, he's a little bit more physical. Because one thing about the slot receivers, one thing that makes like those smaller guys, those smaller, shiftier, quicker guys, so effective. Well, you can't get a jam on them. You know, you can't get a jam on the line of scrimmage. You're, the the star defenders playing, they're, they're off the line of scrimmage. You're playing off the line of scrimmage. You can't get that jam on them. If you, and if you're quick and elusive in space, then they can't touch you. And that's what. The, really makes those receivers that that are smaller and can't really operate out wide, how can they be so effective on the inside? Well, that's a big reason why. So I think Kiaris is a guy that's a little bit bigger, a little bit more physical, that could have more success out wide than any of the three that I mentioned. I think Dom could also play could play out there as well, but I still I, I still see him more as a slot guy, as I do with with Ladd McConkey. And we saw Ladd. Like he was pressing duty last year at the Auburn game. Something that comes to mind. He had to do that. And play out wide at times. He really had basically had two healthy receivers in that game with him and A.D. Mitchell. And he was fine out there. But I just think he's far better of a fit inside in the slot than he is out wide. So, I mean, maybe Kyrus could play out there. Because I don't know. Like, is there an obvious answer at Z right now? Are we saying Marcus Rosemey, Jack Sane? Like, who's going to be that guy to open the season opposite A.D. Mitchell? I, I would probably go Marcus if I had to guess. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think he's probably the favorite there, but I, I could certainly see Kiaris getting some work there as well. Maybe Jackson Meeks. Of all, I think Jackson's been working at X from what I understand. We'll see when we get out of G-Day, but that's that's what I I think that's what I was told. I'm going to go back and look at my notes. But it's just an interesting question. I, I, I'm excited that he's healthy. I'm excited that Dom's getting back into, into form here. I just don't know. I think there's a log jam at slot right now, and I'm curious to see how that all plays out. But, Curtis, the bottom line is I know we have a new receivers coach. Well, I mean, what's been the trend here for a couple of years? We rotate and rotate and rotate and rotate. So logjam or not, they're all going to play, right? Yeah. Oh, I agree. Yeah, I mean, they're all going to play. So I think Dom's going to play. Dom's going to have a role in this team. I think Dom is absolutely going to make some plays for us and help us win football games in 2022. And that is awesome to be able to say, because I know he's had to fight back hard. man. It's been a tough battle to get back. And it's great to see that he is in the process of doing exactly that. Now, Curtis, another potential weapon that I have been—I have been told. I'm curious to see if you've heard anything about this. But another guy I've been told is really starting to open up eyes and impress people that matter out there on the field is early enrollee, true freshman Denylan Morissette from North Cobb. He had a really good week all week and apparently did some good things at the scrimmage. And Kirby even gave him a little bit of love, like as much love as Kirby will give a, a, an early enrollee, which ain't much, uh, in one of his post-practice press conferences. Now, Curtis, about a month ago, you and I, like, we did our 2022 recruiting class deep dives. And if you guys remember, just for 
those of you who didn't check those episodes out, on those episodes, what we did is we went up and down the list of signees, and I asked you, Curtis, to tell me whether each player was a guy, a dude, or a monster. And a guy is like maybe just a role player who doesn't really play that much. A dude's a guy that's a solid contributor, uh, maybe a solid starter, but not like, not like a an all-SEC caliber player. Then a monster's a guy that's you know all-SEC caliber, one of the stars on your team. Now, neither one of us, I include myself in on this, neither one of us had more set as a monster. So are you ready to change your tune on that yet? No. I think I need to see a little bit more. Um, or actually just see him with our own two eyes in a Georgia uniform? Yeah. Like, I mean, we were hearing great things about A.D. Mitchell, but it took us seeing him in spring. Well, and also you have to see it back because we've been burned so many times by all these spring practice warriors that everyone hypes you up. You have them every then, year. You have them every year. And then come fall, they're just like absolute garbage. Have them every single year. Yep. And you, so you got to, you're right, man. You got to be really, really careful. It's like sometimes it works out. Like we we heard all these things about A.D. Mitchell, like you said, we heard all these things about Brock Bowers, and fast forward to the 2021 season, boom, it worked out. But it doesn't always work out that way, especially when you're talking about an early enrollee because people just take things, and you want it to be true, and then kind of just people run with it, and that's like when Kirk gets frustrated. He's like, man, I told y'all. I'm like, I don't know where y'all make up these stories. Like, you know, word of mouth travels, and all of a sudden these guys are turning into superstars before they even take a snap here. So you got to be very, very careful. But are you – let me ask you this. Are you at least surprised that Moore said as a guy that's garnering some attention here, making a, a little bit of a wave here in spring practice? Am I? Uh, not really. Um, I mean, he's – any young guy nowadays, it doesn't shock me because what they go in with in seven and seven, seven on seven and all the offseason programs and all the coaching these kids get nowadays, none of it shocks me, no. Yeah, so Morissette is a guy that I saw play a lot as a junior in high school because he played my former high school. So I, I, I'm going to say I watched him a lot, but I've seen the guy play a couple of times. And we watched him play in high school. You know, you know they, they, these guys, they, they're just better than everyone they play against for the most part, you know? So it's, sometimes it's hard to tell. But when you watch him play, you're like, okay, this guy is a really – my take on Morissette coming out of high school – was that he's a really polished guy, pretty advanced route runner, those kind of things coming out of high school, more so than you see from your typical high school receiver who just relies on like talent and skill set, just being bigger, taller, faster than all the guys he's playing against out there. I always felt Morissette was a more skilled player. My question more said is I don't think he has like the top end physical ability. Does that make sense, Curtis? Yeah, and I think he really has to the strength, especially. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think I think Morissette, like, uh, let's say George Pickens, for example, okay? Very different players. I think Morissette is far more advanced as a route runner, just doing the little things that receivers have to do. He's more polished than George was coming out of high school. And honestly, I don't think there's any question about that. However, George has the physical tools and abilities in a way that Morissette just doesn't. He's just not that kind of guy. So that's why like, when I'm talking about, like, what can this guy be at the college level – I'm always kind of hesitant to say he's going to be like a superstar because I just don't know if he has the physical ability to be that kind of guy. But I, I think he absolutely is what I said about him on – I believe is what I said about him on the uh, that deep dive episode is that I expect him to be a contributor and be a borderline starter for us because I think he has the skill set. He does a really good job. He just knows how to get open. He's a really good route runner. He's got he's, – he's far shiftier and quicker than he is fast. And that is a valuable skill set. If you can get open, I mean, that's the name of the game. Like, whatever you can do after the catch, that's a different story. But can you get open? Like, if you're a receiver, like, that's got to be the first skill set. Can you get open? And the answer for Morissette is, 
unequivocally, yes, that guy can get open. It's just, you know, does he have the skill set to be a top-level guy, a potential first, second-round draft pick like a George Pickens? And I, I, based off where what he was in high school as a junior, I would say no. But guys grow. I mean, he was hurt the first half of the year at North Cobb. So I, didn't really, I don't know. I saw a game of him last year other than just tape. But um, I'm interested to see how he grows physically because, you know, as a junior, again, I just don't think, I didn't think he had the top-level, like, physical ability. But I did love the skill set. So I'm not like shocked to see that he's like, you know, getting open and, and doing things like that and showing coaches that he has a good skill set, more advanced than you would think of as an early enrollee wide receiver. But uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hesitate here on saying that I think he's going to be a monster. I need to see that first before I go, like you said, and take that next step to that leap of faith there. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. All right, Curtis. Next up, we have some news that I know, I know you, man. I know this is going to bring a smile to your face. Uh, we talked about Devin Willick last week, Curtis how he was making a move at right guard and how he had even eaten some into Warren Erickson's reps at that position. And sure enough, Curtis, reportedly, Devin Willick started the scrimmage at right guard ahead of returning starter Warren Erickson. Curtis, I know that you were hoping for this. I know that you were hoping for this. But honestly, how surprised are you by the news that Wilk actually started the scrimmage as the starter at right guard? Honestly, not very surprised. I mean, the, yes, Warren Erickson is returning, but people are forgetting, like, we have a new offensive line coach. This guy has no loyalty to Warren Erickson. Like, yes, neither did Matt Luke realistically, but the fact is Warren Erickson was there and was established, and Matt Luke, you know, had more time with him where – this guy right now, everyone is completely doubting Stacy Searles as a coach. He cannot, especially recruiting wise, he cannot afford to go out there and put someone out there who's going to have people questioning him again. He needs to go out there and put the best on the field and make himself as marketable as he can to these young recruits. And that's what he's got to do. Good point. I mean, I think they're doubting. Maybe people are down the higher. I think I think you, you hit the nail on the head there. It's more about recruiting. Can he recruit the same level that we have been under Matt Luke and obviously Sam Pittman at that position? I think he's a really good offensive line coach. But you're right. Recruiting is a big part of it. You have to have the raw talent to work with. I, yeah, I'm not I'm, – I'll say I'm surprised. I am surprised. Am I shocked? Like, I mean, what's the difference? Surprise, shocked. I'm not like – just completely blown away that he was starting ahead of Erickson at right guard. Cause again, we, we talked about this last week. We had heard reports through the first week of practice that, and I, it, we can even go back to last year. I was hearing that Devin Willick was having a really good season of practice that no one was hearing about because he wasn't playing in games, but he was really kind of making a name for himself. And you're right. We had to have a new offensive line coach that changes things, but this guy was really developing last year and become a player that our coaches felt like could be a contributor for sooner rather than later. You were hearing those things. 
But I am surprised, you know, that Warren Erickson, the, usually like with the first spring scrimmage curse, it's very like, it's kind of like just a pro form of things. Like, hey, you know, if you were a starter last year, we're going to put you out there. Like no decisions are made in spring practice. We'll, we'll worry about fall camp for that. But here we are, the very first scrimmage here in the 2022 spring practice. And Devin Willett rolls out there first, reportedly, with the number one offense. I'm a little surprised by that. And I think you're right. I think the fact that we do have a new offensive line coach here that has no loyalty to any of these guys whatsoever. It's a brand new set of eyes on the situation. Clearly, I think that has a a, a strong impact on, on that decision. But it was at least mildly surprising to me to see to see that happen, to see a guy like Willow, who's not played any meaningful downs in his life, no meaningful snaps whatsoever, to be put ahead of a guy like Warren Erickson, who you know has his limitations that are well-documented. We've talked about that many times on this show but was a, a starter at right guard almost all season for a national championship winning football team. So I do think that's at least mildly surprising. Here's maybe the bigger question, Curtis. It's fun and games. Talk about it here, you know, in the first couple of weeks of spring practice. How likely is it this holds up heading into the actual 2022 season? Um, I mean, I think it's a big deal. I mean, we know we talked about everything that's going on in practice with the quarterback position, but once the first scrimmage came around, it was back to normal, but that's not the case in this situation. So I think it is a signal that maybe that we, this is something that needs to be taken more serious and come in the fall in the first game. I mean, it wouldn't shock me. I mean, realistically, it wouldn't shock me that neither of them are starting because Tate Rattlish hopefully can get back into it. But the fact yep. is, um, I, I would just, I think I'd be more shocked come game one. It was Warren Erickson in general. I think signs are pointing to that, right? At this point, that Erickson might be the odd man out on the interior. Yeah, he can't. He's crazy. I, like, I think he's going to have trouble holding off what we have right now. And I don't think what we have right now is Tate Ratlitch level in general. I mean, you've got trust. Or at least pre injury, pre injury Tate Ratlitch. Yeah, I mean, and Tate's coming back from the Liz Frank injury, which is about as tough of a foot injury as you can get outside of your foot just falling off. I mean, it's a it's a mid foot injury, and it's where you you put a lot of weight on your foot like that. It's just tough. It's really tough to deal with. I know Tate's out there in a red jersey. He's doing a little bit. He's not really practicing. Obviously, not practicing full go. Um, so I'm hopeful he'll be he'll be back healthy, ready to go, fully 100 percent in fall camp. But there's no guarantee there. But if he is. I mean, again, as I've said several times on this show, I was told coming into the 2021 season, coming out of fall camp, that Tate Rattlitz was the best offensive lineman on the team. And then, unfortunately, he goes down. We were able to we were able to bounce back from it, but it sucks to, for him to go down like that. If you can get back to that level, and then now you have Devin Willick, who's making moves like he is. Xavier Truss is apparently having a good spring as well. I mean, where's Erickson fit in? And I, we've always said he's more of a center than he is a guard. That's really what this guy is, you know, by trade. That's what his body's built for. But then you have Cedric Van Pran, who is just more talented. I mean, that's just the truth. He's just more talented. So it might be a tough spot for Erickson here where he just is like just in a tough spot, man. I don't know. I, you know, we talked a little bit last week about how he might be like, like really cursed. Do you think Erickson could, I mean, I know we, t- we touched on it briefly last week. Could he be a transfer option? Like he really, we talked about this with Darnell Washington. Could this be one of those situations coming out of spring practice where he sees the writing on the wall and he's like, man, you know what? I just want to play. I mean, in all honesty, nothing against the kid, but if he wants to play, I think it is, yes, the best option for him. Yeah, I'm not going to write him off completely yet because he does have that experience, but it also wouldn't shock me to see him explore transferring. I know that's just, and that's tough, man. I hate it for a guy who's waited his turn and been here as long as he I has. I mean, but, but it also does doesn't prevent you from coming back. I mean, look how it all worked out for Robert Beal. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, I, I don't want to just sit here and completely write him off, but I, I also, I mean, I, I think 
you'd be foolish not sit here and say there's a possibility that, you know, if things keep trending the way they're trending right now, that he might look to enter the portal. And I don't know. I don't know. I have nothing hard on that. No one's told me that. That's just me speculating completely there. But it's that time of year, man. I think May 1st is when when that closes up. So he's got to be thinking about that. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know. All right, Kurt, I know you got to get out of here, man. So finally, one last thing here. All through last season, uh, I felt one of the under-discussed stories from 2021, and we're as guilty as, of this as anyone, but I felt like one of the under-discussed stories from last season was Tyke Smith's season-ending injury because I just don't think we really had any answers that I loved at Star. Obviously, we made it work, and we pieced it together, and we got through it, and we won a national championship, which is really all that matters. But I, I just never felt great at that position all year long. Well, he's back. He was supposed to be the answer at Star last year, but he's back now. He's practicing in red, which means full go. But a little caveat here. He is not working at Star right now. And I broached the idea earlier in the offseason that maybe – we should give Tyke Smith a look at safety with our lack of depth there. And sure enough, man, that's exactly where he is working right now. So how do you feel, Curtis, about Tyke Smith getting looks there rotating with the safety unit in practice right now? I like it because I think his biggest benefit to us next year will be his versatility. Um, yeah. And I so I think that we need to continue to push it and cross-train him as much as we can because we've seen – the last two years, we've had injury after injury, it feels like, at that position the last two years. So his versatility at being able to play both would be very, very beneficial to us. Well, that, that brings up an, another question here. So is it more about cross-training Tyke Smith, having him be able to play safety or star, or is this more of a true position move? I think it's more cross-training, if I had to guess, because I, outside, I mean, I know William Poole played well in the natty. He also, you know crap the bed in the SEC championship game. So, I mean, realistically, I don't can't sit here and say that that star position is locked down to prevent him from coming in, especially considering the guy was an All-American before. Yeah, I think Poole is the guy that we're kind of penciling in to be that guy at star right now. But, Curse, the question still becomes, like, who's behind him? Like, what is the yeah. depth like at star? I mean, our depth in secondary in general is not great. So I have a hard time believing that. Like, I don't know, but I have a hard time believing that Tyke Smith is being, like, full-time moved to safety. I think you're right. This is a cross-training because we don't have a ton of depth at safety. We basically have Dan Jackson, Chris Smith, and David Daniel, and I guess Malachi Starks right now. Ja'Cory Thomas as well. I think, we have more, I think we have more depth at safety than we do at star because at star, who is it right now? I mean, it, it's William Poole and I mean, Javon Bullard maybe a little bit, but he's also working outside. So I don't really know the depth situation there. So I don't know. I think he's probably cross-training right now, and we're trying to see where does he fit best, where can he help us most. All those things, but when you have a guy like Chris Smith returning, and you have Dan Jackson, who's got a lot of experience, you have a guy like David Dan, who I'm really high on in his long term potential. I, I think Tyke's gonna have more of an opportunity for playing time at star, you know, I, or maybe as the dime defender coming in, the money defender. I don't know, but I, I'm I'm like you. I think it's more about crossing him right now and finding a place for a guy as talented as him. Let's not forget he was a he was a, a third team All American. All right, so this guy can play. We've seen him do it at West Virginia. We haven't seen him really in a Georgia uniform, but this guy's a talented player. I think it's about finding in, with in a secondary that doesn't have a lot of experience. Deb, it's about finding where does he fit best, and if that's safety, that's safety. But I also still would not rule him out playing star because I just don't love the depth there at all right now. But that, of course. I imagine I'll play itself out more the, over the next couple of weeks here as we wrap up spring practice and, of course, going to fall camp as well. 
But as for today and week three of Georgia spring practice, that's it for us on the podcast. The team is slated to have another scrimmage this Saturday inside Sanford Stadium, so we will have even more to talk about next week as we recap week four of spring practice. And man, that's crazy. feels like spring practice just started, and here we are entering week four, and G-Day will be here before we know it, man. Just a little bit over a week away right now. So we will have that for you guys next week, and we're also going to try to get back into some baseball and tennis talk, also cover some more of the spring sports. I know we've had to move away from that a little bit over the past week or two with all the spring practice stuff to cover, but we're going to try to get back in on that. Obviously, we had a huge weekend last weekend on the Diamond as we pulled out the brooms and swept the Florida Gators, which is always a beautiful thing. And then the tennis dogs, the men and women's programs both had weekend sweeps last week. Both are inside the top 10 nationally, so a lot of great things going on, the diamond, on the court, and we'll get back and cover some more of that for you guys next week as well. But have a great weekend, guys. All you golf fans, enjoy sitting on the sofa watching the Masters. We'll see what Tiger can do with his comeback. So enjoy it, and we will be back next week with some more Georgia football talk for you guys. But for Curtis, I'm Tyler, and as always, go dogs.